a 36-year-old woman came to the pain office after years of visiting healthcare professionals. I love my son so much, she said, but his delivery was horrible. I don't really know what happened. It felt like a haze, but I labored for so many hours, and when it was time, I just remember pushing and pushing, and my legs being pulled up towards my chest to make the delivery easier. And ever since then, I've had horrible pain. At first, I thought it was a UTI. It burned to pee, and I felt like I had to pee all the time. I was peeing maybe 20 times a day, and every time I went to the bathroom, like nothing came out. I kept going to doctors who kept giving me antibiotics, and it just didn't go away. And now it's there all the time, in my vagina, when I pee, when I have sex, when I just try to sit. And I just want to know what this is. I need help. Welcome to The Hurt by Dr. Mira Kirpaker and Dr. Alopi Patel. We are the female pain docs. This is a platform to contribute to the public discourse on women's pain and general health. We are here to empower women and men to engage in the advancement of their health with discussions of evidence-based medicine, unconventional topics, lifestyle modifications, and more. The views contained in this podcast are our personal views and do not represent the views of our institutions. This does not substitute medical advice. Please be evaluated by a physician if necessary. Welcome back. So on today's podcast, we're going to talk about pudendal neuralgia. Some of you may have heard of this condition before. Some of you may already be undergoing treatment for it. And some of you may even have its symptoms without realizing that your condition has a name. In fact, we both personally treat pudendal neuralgia really often. And I can't tell you how many patients have told me that they wished they had had more information about this condition and had sought help earlier. You know, I get the same thing. So what pudendal neuralgia is, is a painful condition of the pudendum. The word pudendum means a person's external genitalia, especially that of a woman. So pudendal neuralgia is a painful burning sensation in the pelvis, anywhere from the vulva, vagina, and clitoris to the bladder and rectum. It actually affects 1% of the general population, which if you think about it, is a huge proportion. And it is far more common in women than men. So for about every 7 women, for every 3 men. But many doctors believe that the prevalence might even be higher. Do you remember that initial study from France, Mira? 83% of their 55 patients were actually misdiagnosed at first. Which is so interesting, because this diagnosis has been around since 1988. And at that time, it was called cyclist syndrome, because those were the patients it was first really seen in, competitive cyclists. And then it was noted more and more in women who had no history of cycling. But they did have a history of childbirth, like the patient that we mentioned earlier. And now we know that there are actually so many different conditions that can cause pudendal neuralgia. So before we get into all of those, let's talk a little bit about the etymology of pudendal neuralgia. We mentioned earlier that pudendal neuralgia is a painful condition of the pudendum, meaning external genitalia, and particularly that of a woman. But that word pudendum comes from the 17th century Latin verb pudir, which means to be ashamed. Furthermore, the pudendum means, quote, that anatomical part for which modesty requires to be covered, end quote. In fact, you even see the word pudir in the English word impudent, which used to mean without modesty. 
and now it describes someone who's arrogant, but historically it meant someone without modesty. To go back to that translation of Pudir, in 2019, the Terminologia Anatomica, which is the international standard on human anatomical terminology, removed the word pudendum from its second edition due to the fact that that root word pudir, meaning to be ashamed, was possibly offensive. Now, changing this one word isn't going to make up for thousands of years of internalized bias, misperception, and oppression of pelvic pain in both males and females, but it is a step in the right direction. I agree. I think it's actually really interesting, but also important to understand the origins of the terms that we use regularly in describing women's pain, because we can start to see just how much bias there has been historically. And now that we've had the historical context for the word pudendal, Let's get into what pudendal neuralgia really feels like for patients. You see a lot of patients with this, Mira. What do they tell you? I do. So the common denominator of what almost all of them tell me is that their pain feels like burning pain. So one of the statements I hear all the time is I keep taking antibiotics because every doctor thought I had a UTI. But no matter how many antibiotics I took, the pain just didn't go away. And that goes back to that misdiagnosis in that paper. Exactly. So they come in so often just being misdiagnosed with UTIs, but it's not. It's pudendal neuralgia. One of the symptoms you can develop with pudendal neuralgia is overactive bladder syndrome. In other words, you have all the symptoms of a UTI, the burning pain with urination, feeling like you constantly have to go, and that when you do go, not much comes out. The patient that we described at the beginning of this episode felt all of that. But that's not the only thing that can happen. The pain is not only associated with urination, so the pain could also be worse with defecation, and sometimes it even mimics persistent genital arousal disorder, PGAD, which is where patients can have spontaneous orgasms without sexual contact or just have significant pain with sex and orgasms. You know, I actually had a patient tell me that it felt like, quote, having a hot poker in my vagina. Oh my god, that's horrible. The truth is, I've actually had a couple of patients describe it the same way to me also. And, you know, I've had so many say that the pain was also worse with sitting. And, you know, and that makes sense based on the anatomy of the pudendal nerve. So we'll describe that in a second. But yeah, putting pressure on the buttocks can definitely worsen the pain. And it can also get worse as the day goes on, and it can spread to the back of the thigh, lower back, and sometimes even feel like a muscle spasm. And that's the thing, even though it does have some classic symptoms, it can also have a lot of vague symptoms, and I think that has a lot to do with what is causing the pudendal neuralgia in the first place. So I think we should talk a little bit about the basic anatomy of the pudendal nerve, because I think if you understand that, everything else makes a lot more sense. Mira, do you want to get into it? Absolutely. So the pudendal nerve comes from the nerves that are at the very bottom of the spinal cord, S2, S3, and S4. They come off of the spinal cord and become the pudendal nerves, so there's a left one and a right one. And then each nerve travels through the piriformis muscle in the buttocks and goes into the pelvic floor. Each nerve ultimately then divides into three different branches. So one branch goes to the clitoris, one goes to the rectum and anus, and one goes to the perineum. Now the perineum is basically all of the area in between the clitoris and the anus and contains the vagina, cervix, and bladder. So whenever either or both of those nerves get affected, anywhere on that path, it causes pain. And where on that path it could get affected really depends a lot on what the underlying problem is. And that, of course, will affect the treatment. 
And before we get into the treatment, and while we're still talking about the anatomy, let's talk about what can cause the pudendal nerve to be affected. So in women, the three most common causes of pudendal nerve injury are surgery, pelvic trauma, and childbirth. But it does go deeper than that. The nerve can also directly be injured or severed. It could be entrapped in a muscle, or it could be inflamed and irritated. So let's talk about each of these. So I've had patients who have had each of these diagnoses. So in a vaginal delivery, the pudendal nerve can get damaged from stretching of the pelvic floor by the baby's head. When it comes to surgery, it could be due to repair of a prolapse, which is when the organs can descend into the vagina, or even a sling procedure, which is used to support those internal organs, and sometimes even a hysterectomy, which is removal of the uterus. So we're not really sure why, but the thought is that it could be due to a mesh that's placed, a stitch that's placed, pulling on the nerve unintentionally, or even just a small amount of bleeding that gathers there and compresses the nerve. Now, most patients that develop pudendal neuralgia after surgery actually have it happen right away after surgery, but it's often missed because it's thought of as just, you know, usual post-operative pain. So this is just something to keep in mind if you've ever had urologic or gynecologic surgery. And because the nerve courses a long way from the spinal cord to the bottom of the pelvis, there are a lot of places it can be affected. It could be due to injury at the spinal cord where the nerve begins, but it can also be around where the nerve ends, so the pelvic floor muscles. Tightness in the pelvic floor muscles, which is commonly called pelvic floor muscle dysfunction, can also cause pudendal neuralgia. So this is basically when you have spasms of one or more of the muscles in the pelvis, and this can trap the nerve inside. And lastly, it can also be a form of biochemical injury causing irritation of the nerve. So something like herpes, HIV, diabetes, multiple sclerosis, inflammatory bowel disease, and many more. So in that case, you have to treat the underlying disease as well as the pudendal neuralgia. So when you put it all together, there are so many conditions that can cause pudendal neuralgia. Cycling, infections, inflammatory diseases, surgery, pelvic trauma, childbirth, muscle spasms with those pelvic floor muscles sitting for long periods of time, constipation, and even sex. Exactly. And there's really no fancy way to diagnose this. It's really based on the symptoms that you're feeling. There's no blood tests, no MRI or CT. Those are not perfectly diagnostic for them either. And they may show entrapment of the pudendal nerve on something like an MR neurogram, which is basically an MRI, but that's dedicated to look at the nerve tissue signal. But even this isn't always the case. It really does come down to do the symptoms fit and is it in the distribution of the pudendal nerve? That's why it's so important to pay attention to your body and speak up if you're experiencing any of this so you can seek treatment right away. So let's talk about the treatment actually because there are ways your doctor can help you and ways that you can also help yourself. It's absolutely a collaborative effort. Now there are medications that can help the pain. There's physical therapy that's particularly focused on the pelvic floor and even quick outpatient procedures. So for example, some of the options that we offer as interventional pain physicians with a focus in pelvic pain are pudendal nerve blocks, where we use an x-ray machine to find anatomically where the nerve would be, give you some numbing medications, and go through the buttocks muscle to bathe that nerve with local anesthetic and steroid. And this procedure is great because as pain physicians, we don't do this via the vagina or the rectum where your pain is heightened but we go through the muscles of the buttocks, so it's less painful and less traumatic. 
And if it is effective in reducing the pain, but the pain relief is short-lived, like a few hours or a few days, then we have ways to make it last longer. And we can do something called a radiofrequency ablation, which is essentially a fancy term for using heat to prolong the effects. And in this case, that pain relief could last for many months. And you know, this is a safe technique because there's no surgery and there's little risk of causing any permanent damage since that nerve will regain feeling. So you may actually need to have this procedure repeated in the future. Now, there is a risk of worsened pain with this procedure, but if that happens, it's typically temporary for a couple of weeks. Now, these aren't commonly done procedures, but they really should be. The technology exists and has been applied to other parts of the body effectively, but the pelvic region as a whole has just traditionally been ignored. Now, you know, I've done this procedure many times with success, so hopefully the more we start doing this across the country, the more we can kind of help make this the norm. And there are also other more permanent options if the previous two procedures are short-lived or don't work as well as you'd like. And those are surgical decompression or a nerve stimulator. A nerve stimulator, such as a dorsal root ganglion stimulator, is a device with a wire that surrounds the sacral nerves to decrease the pain in the pudendal nerve distribution. We will actually be talking more about this in the next season. And with the surgical decompression, which is using surgery to remove any pressure on the nerve, there is improvement within four months typically, but can take almost 12 to 18 months to see full pain relief. And even then, the rates are pretty variable. According to French data, about 40% of patients will be pain-free, 30% will have some improvement, 30% will have no change, and 1% may even have worse pain. And the longer you wait with the pain, typically more than 10 years, the worse the surgical outcomes can be since it's really long-standing nerve damage at that point. You know, now if procedures or surgery seem scary, there are also lifestyle modifications that have been known to help. So you can start by sitting on a cushion instead of a hard chair, or even sitting on like a donut-shaped cushion where there's a space in the middle so you don't put any direct pressure on the nerve. And you can also make your sedentary work easier by getting an ergonomic chair and desk, so that allows you to sit or stand as desired. I've also seen that pelvic floor exercises can be helpful, or really just any exercise where you're not directly sitting on anything. So avoid long periods on that spin cycle. <laughs> you love your Peloton. I know, I know, and I can't believe I'm even saying this because I'm totally guilty of doing it myself. But if you're really having that pain, try something like running or swimming. And after your workout, you can try a warm compress or a warm bath to help with that inflammation. And there are also medications that can be really helpful for the pain. And there is a huge range that can be used, so this is something that we'll be discussing in a future podcast. I also want to add that we do sometimes forget that there's more to pain treatment than physical treatments that we can do. Mental health is also really important. It has been shown countless of times that anxiety and depression can both worsen pain. So seeking treatment for this, and particularly regular therapy, can be very helpful. And that's honestly a great point to note for any kind of pain. So as with any pain condition, the first step is having access to the right information, which hopefully we provided for you. And the next step is actually reaching out and seeking treatment. And I just want to say, don't wait on treatment. There's really no reason that you should be suffering. Absolutely. Join us next week for another episode. We would love to hear your thoughts. Visit our Instagram at the female pain docs for more content. Send us an email at the female pain docs at gmail. If you have any topics in particular, you would like us to discuss. 
You can also visit our website at www.thefemalepaindocs.com. See you next time.